Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. It is Tuesday, April the 26th, 2022. Here's a question for you. How old is the universe? Do you know? Now, I know what you're thinking. It's billions of years old, Joe. Well, is it? That's the question. Have you ever even thought of, entertained, listened to anybody who has an opinion that the Earth is young? I'm curious. You probably have never been exposed to the arguments at all. So today we're going to do that. We're going to have a conversation with Hugh Owen from the Colby Center uh, to talk about creation versus evolution young earth creation what are the arguments for that what evidence could they propose for such a thing when it seems that the evidence for evolution in billions of years is overwhelming so we're going to have a conversation probably your first ever it's going to be exciting and that's coming up at 35 past the hour praise be to god hey big news uh elon musk has saved the world and the planet once again leaping over (laughs) tall buildings in a single bound by by allowing free speech on twitter again uh so there's that and uh, last night was kind of hilarious because everybody was tweeting the the stuff they were never allowed to tweet. You know, <laughs> did they get blocked? I mean, how fast does it take Elon to buy a company and reverse all that? I have no idea. Uh, court uh, temporary, temporarily blocks Biden admin from uh, dropping the Title 42 restrictions at the border. We'll see what happens there. And uh, unfortunately, the body of a Texas National Guard soldier who died in Rio Grande uh, was pulled out of the river. So God rest his soul. Let's keep him in our prayers today. Good morning to Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Did you know, have you ever seen the greatest play in baseball? Uh, no. If I'm I not, say those words, you know what I mean? I'm not a baseball fan. Please don't kill me. Uh, I, w- I, I will not. I, I promise I will not maim you for life. However, the greatest baseball play in history uh, was 46 years ago. Uh, it was by Chicago Cubs center fielder Rick Monday whose quick thinking stopped a protester from burning an American flag on the field. Oh, You must have seen the footage. I saw, yes, I saw that story. That was, that anniversary was yesterday, 46 years to the day. Wow. Yeah, praise be to God. Well. Well, speaking of not burning things down, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. In spite of it all. In spite of it all. No, in fact, especially because uh, Twitter is a, is a free space now. Is I might it? Go back uh, now. We'll I, see because my... How, how risky did you get? My bu- no, I didn't do it. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I've never gotten in trouble on Twitter, oddly oh, enough. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how. Ever. I don't know how this happened, but somehow <laughs> I've never gotten in trouble on Twitter. Hashtag but my, um, my buddy, he uh, tweeted out, uh, Jack Dorsey he is a fascist because he actually got banned from Twitter uh, like four years ago for tweeting that out. And so, <laughs> I know. I saw, I think it was Michael Knowles was saying ivermectin is a wonder drug or something. <laughs> it is. I mean, just say everything yeah. that you uh, that you were not allowed to say before. Exactly. I've yeah. never gotten in trouble on Twitter and I say the controversy, I guess nobody cares what I say. So they're just like, eh. No one's listening to you anyways. That's right. Yeah, for sure. But it is kind of hilarious to see everybody uh, waking up this morning to uh, seemingly free speech. I mean, who knows? Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. Exactly. I'm, not, <laughs> really I'm, I'm honestly not that confident in putting my trust in Elon Musk. Yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. it can't be worse, mm-hmm. certainly. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, guess what? It is good news today. Praise be to God. Uh, Clarissa and Daniel Gonzalez and their beautiful daughter have arrived with the Mercedes that they won not all that long ago from the Guadalupe Radio Network car raffle. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Daniel and Clarissa. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Praise be to God. It's Thanks. good to see you here in a, in a suit and tie, nonetheless. Well, I figured if all the gentlemen are going to look spiffy, you might as well join the party. Look spiffy. Very <laughs> dapper. Yes, very dapper indeed. Uh, only church gets a tie for me, praise be to God. But uh, coming from San Antonio, how was the drive? It was rainy, but Daniel got us here safely, praise be to God. And what is it like to own a brand new Mercedes? Expensive. Is it? Actually, <laughs> scratch that. Free. <laughs> but, like, does it feel special? I mean, it, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't know. Oh, yes. I've never owned a Mercedes before. I mean, what is that like? Leather? Is the leather Hard softer? Hard to describe. We'll nicer? show you in the after show. What the, what the plebes get down in the lower Even levels? Even just feeling the steering wheel feels so nice. The roads are smoother. Yeah. The lights are brighter. <laughs> the, roads are smoother. the new car smells like a new car. The lights are greener for you. Indeed. Yeah, praise <laughs> be to God. Well, congratulations once again. It's good to see you here. Thanks for being a part of this Heat Tea Insider crew. And we're going to be chatting with you at 15 past the hour, uh, talking about the metaverse, which I guess you're an expert in, Daniel. You're, you're a world-renowned expert. That's what Adrian said. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> Why, as Catholics, should we be concerned with the Web 3.0? That's coming up at 15 past the hour. And like I said, we're going to talk with Hugh Owen from the Colby Center about young earth creationism uh, coming up at 35 past the hour. So it's going to be a fun show. Sit back, relax. And here's the kicker. The last half of the second hour is going to be from the Mercedes. That's right. We're going for a joyride in a brand new Mercedes in the after show. So stick around. You can always hang out with us on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee o virgin of virgins my mother to thee do i come before thee i stand sinful and sorrowful o mother of the word incarnate despise not my petitions but in thy mercy hear and answer me amen in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost and now your headlines with rudy carlos Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, April 25th, and these are your headlines. Breitbart reports U.S. Secretaries of State and Defense visit Ukraine and pledge $713 million in military aid. United States Secretaries of State and Defense visited Kiev this weekend in a surprise trip that announced $713 million in military aid for Ukraine and partner nations assisting Ukraine in its fight against Russia. Of the $713 million, 322 of those is marked for Ukraine and the rest will be split among NATO members and other nations supplying Ukraine with weapons. Reuters reports U.S. judge to block plan to lift COVID border restrictions for migrants. U.S. District Judge Robert Summerhays, a federal judge in Louisiana, said he intends to rule that U.S. authorities cannot immediately proceed with plans to lift pandemic restrictions that empowered U.S. agents at the Mexico border to turn back migrants without giving them a chance to seek asylum. The ruling would upend a decision by the CDC to terminate the so-called Title 42 border protection order by May 23rd. The Washington Examiner reports Twitter accepts buyout offer from Musk, the billionaire uh, giving the billionaire control of the platform. Twitter has agreed to sell the company for $44 billion in cash to billionaire Elon Musk, who plans to take it private, a deal with supposed major implications for online discourse. The social media giant's decision to sell will give major influence over public debate to Musk, 
who has vowed to overhaul the platform to orient it towards free speech. Axios reports FBI Chief Ray addresses 59% jump in police officers' murders. There was a 59% increase in the murders of police officers, with 73 officers killed last year. This is according to FBI Director, Director Christopher Ray, who said, quote, We're seeing more and more juveniles committing violent crime, and that's certainly an issue. We're seeing a certain amount of gun trafficking, interstate gun trafficking, and that's part of it. Adding, and we're seeing an alarming frequency of the, some of the worst of the worst getting back out onto the streets, end quote. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Pascasis Radbertus. And we'll, we'll figure out whether or not I'm saying any of these names right today. Born around 785, Pascasus was an orphan left on the steps of the convent of Notre Dame de Sosen, who was raised by the nuns there and became very fond of the abbess Theodorana. Benedictine theologian and abbot Pascasus was left as an infant on their door in France and was raised by the nuns there. After entering the Benedictine monastery of Corby under St. Adelard, he was ordained a deacon and in 822 he was sent with other monks under Adelard to establish the monastery of New Corby in Westphalia, Germany. He served for a number of years as master of novices and headmaster at both Corby and New Corby and in 844 was made abbot of Corby. Never ordained a priest and finding the office against his nature, Pascasus resigned about 849 and he went to the abbey of St. Requeur, where he returned to Corby where he eventually died. A prolific writer, he was the author of several biblical commentaries, A Life of Abbot Adelard, and the well-known De Corpore de Sanguine Domini, the first ever treatise on the Eucharist. He was also probably the author of Epistle 9 of the Sude Jerome, which is an important document in development of the doctrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In 843, Pascasus succeeded Abbot Isaac, however, he resigned his title ten years later to return to his studies. He left Corby and there for the nearby monastery of St. Require, where he lived in voluntary exile for many years. He was a Carolinian theologian and abbot of Corby in the monastery in Picardy, uh, founded in 657 or 660 by the queen Lesul Abbey. And Pascus's body was buried at the church of St. Jean in Corby after numerous reported miracles the Pope ordered that his remains be removed and interred at the church of St. Peter Corby. He was canonized in 1073 by Pope Gregory VII, and his feast is today, April 26. St. Pascasus Rebertus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from John chapter 3, verses 7b through 15. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this happen? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand this? Amen, amen, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. If I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? 
no one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what a gospel today. I wish we could spend just uh, the rest of the two hours just talking about uh, John chapter 3. It's, it's so powerful. It's one of my favorite in all of Scripture, for sure. St. Chrysostom said this, If anyone asks how a man is born of water, I ask in return how Adam was born from the ground. For as in the beginning, though, though the element of earth was the subject matter, the man was the work of the fashioner. So now, too, though the element of water is the subject matter, the whole work is done by the Spirit of grace. He then gave paradise for a place to dwell in. Now he hath opened heaven to us. But what need is there of water to those who receive the Holy Ghost? It carries out the divine symbols of burial, mortification, resurrection, and life. For by the immersion of our, of our heads in the water the old man disappears and is buried, as it were, in a sepulcher, whence he ascends a new man. Thus shouldest thou learn that the virtue of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost filleth all things. For which reason also Christ lay three days in the grave before his resurrection, that then which the womb is to be the offspring, water is to the believer, he is fashioned and formed in the water. But that which is fashioned in the womb needeth time, whereas the water all is done in an instant. For the nature of the body is as such to require time for its completion, but spiritual creation are perfect from the beginning. From the time that our Lord ascended out of the Jordan, water produces no longer reptiles, i.e. living souls, but souls rational and endured with the Holy Spirit. Close quote, St. Chrysostom, pray for us. There's so much in that passage, some of which we're going to talk to with our guest from the Colby Center on creation versus evolution coming up at 35 past the hour. There's a lot to be said there. But you've got to love the double entendres that are at stake in this passage. I love the use of the Apostle John using words that have double meanings, the wind and the spirit. You should dive deeper in that. There's so much to unpack there. The very name Nicodemus has such great meaning here in this passage. Boy, we could spend hours diving in to the gospel and really diving into its depths and its meanings. But ultimately, we must be born again to enjoy the fruit of heaven itself. Let us not waste the opportunity. We'll be right back. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth, or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth. Plain absurdity. Now the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, 
he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Hugh Owen from the Colby Center is going to be on to talk about creationism versus evolution. You, you only get one side of the conversation in your, in your education. So we thought it would be kind of interesting if you might be exposed, probably for the first time ever, to uh, someone who believes that the earth was created very, very, not all that long ago, really, and uh, and very quickly. And what might their arguments be? Hmm, well, we're going to talk to Hugh Owen from the Colby Center about that at 35 past the hour. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And uh, it's although it's not concerning at all, we do have some great guests in the studio with me. I'm actually moving my giant uh, Megatron screen out of the way so I can see some of them. Clarissa and Daniel, good morning to you again. Hello again. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Your beautiful daughter up early. Is she always up this early? I'm just curious. Um, sometimes, but usually when she wakes up this early, I just feed her and put her back to sleep. So, yeah. <laughs> or like, when we go to 7 a.m. mass. Oh, little girl. She's so cute. And, she wakes up early for 7 a.m. mass on Sundays. Does she? But during the week, we go to like noon mass, so I let her uh, oh, sleep. Oh, really? Well, I try to. to <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Now, once again, you guys uh, were the fortunate and wonderfully blessed uh, people to win the brand new Mercedes from the Guadalupe Radio Network car raffle. What is that? What was that like? Just real quick. What was that ex- experience like to have your name, you know, read aloud? Well, if I remember it correctly, I, w- I think we we're. It was, it was early morning. It was it was announced on this show. So I was making breakfast. Clarissa was awake because she fed Anastasia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then she I was, was there going, in the kitchen. I was like, let's listen. <laughs> I was like, yeah, for that car that someone's gonna win. Okay. Little did we know. So you had no we were, hopes. I had I had no hopes. I was not a believer. <laughs> you were not a believer. I was, I was not a believer. Excited. I was like, maybe there's a small chance. Like I still want to listen. And then it was very surprising and shocking. And then um, just hard to believe. It's, um, just have overwhelmed you, with blessing. I can imagine. Have I you ever won imagine. anything like this before? Anything big like this? I never won anything. Yeah, exactly. me neither. I never <laughs> won anything, not even at bingo. Right. Or. Yeah, no, I don't win either. I, I came close. One time, I had a chance to win a brand new Harley, and uh, it was a dealer in, in New Hampshire, and I won a key. Uh, so did a bunch of other people. Won a key. And th- there was only one key that actually opened the bike. Wow. So I was one of a bunch. Oh, wow. And uh, I never even got the chance to go up and unlock it. Because the person who won was in front of me. <laughs> so it was kind yeah, of a so letdown. It's a first, a big first for us. Now, Daniel, I don't know if she shared with you, but we have an entire vision and plan for your brand new Mercedes. Okay. Wonderful. So 
Uh, so we, I think we're going to get you set up here. We're going to get a lift kit on it. Joe's okay. We're, we're going to put 35-inch <laughs> uh, off-road tires on it. Ooh. We're going to reduce the rim size because you want more wheel, you want more height on your oh. rubber for, for soft right. ride. Yes, yes. The 20-inch you know, street tires, they're not comfortable. It's nice for cruising yeah. in city, but not exactly. But not for what we it's yeah. intended for. Yeah, ex- Rally. We're thinking rally yeah. here with like big light LED light bars and maybe a rooftop tent or something. Funny enough, the car yeah. comes with an app, so you can unlock it and start it inside remote. Yeah, and it, but it actually does say um, off-road vehicle on it. See, so you, you, you you're about. onto something. Yes. You're onto something. <laughs> and then we'll, I'll take my Tahoe, and you'll take your Mercedes. We'll Ooh. go backcountry uh, cruising. Yeah, you know, sounds like a plan. It's Brooks, all-wheel drive. Uh, Brick Sturm says yeah. you you ought to get 40-inch rims. 40? 40 40s. I don't know that the wheel wheels could take 40. Rolling on 40s? But, you know, a Sawzall will fix that. That's we'll true. Just, <laughs> just, we'll just modify it a little bit. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Cut the fenders. Yeah, praise be to God. Well, congratulations again. It must be very exciting to, uh, to have a, a very cool brand new car and drive it around. Are you guys fighting over who gets to drive it? Definitely not. Daniel would rather me drive it because his legs are so big that he's, his legs feel cramped in it. And I'm perfectly oh, fine with that. I'm like, oh, shucks, oh, yes. oh darn. <laughs> Let me drive. I got this. Too bad. <laughs> so, so one thing we learned, the GLA is the smallest SUV class that Mercedes makes. Yeah. So from, I'm 6'2", for those who are not here. Yeah. Um, my wife is 5'2", so it's perfect for... Smaller individuals. Yeah, <laughs> it's now, great. Th- were you guys nervous when there, that uh, news report came out that a boat from Germany sunk with all cars on board? Yeah, I was like double checking. <laughs> <laughs> I even asked the guy from the dealership jokingly. I was like, "So our car wasn't on that ship, right?" right? <laughs> right. I think we had no, three people no, ask no. us, "Like, hey, is that your car? Is, that, is your car on the boat?" And we're like, <laughs> "I, I have no idea." <laughs> yeah. yeah, but <laughs> I had actually seen this story um, first start even before. Uh, before the car was announced that it was coming to us, I, I had been following that story. I bet that you it, were. <laughs> that it was on fire. It was on fire oh, for man. a while. Our car's on fire. Win a brand new car. Watch it sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's less than fun. Praise <laughs> be to God. It's not. I'm glad that was horrible. not your car. Uh, let's let's change topics here. Let's talk about the metaverse. Now you're in IT, right, Daniel? Yes, I do IT and cybersecurity. Really, cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the private sector, I imagine. So for some company or something? Yeah, for a company based out of Minnesota. Okay. College um, whiz, what a time we live in where cybersecurity is, is, is such a central part of everybody's life. I think about all the data breaches and credit card fraud that goes on out mm-hmm. there, how our, our identities are stolen every day. And Cars can get hacked as well. Yeah, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was that Tesla story two weeks ago of the guy doing 83 miles an hour down the California highway and it rebooted on him. <laughs> and and, and the, he, he got like the, the frozen screen of death. What and, a time to be alive. And he couldn't, like, thankfully the brakes were mechanical and stopped him. Okay. Otherwise, it just kept cruising at 83, stuck at that mode. That is insane. Yeah. I mean, but that just goes to show technology, having everything involved, how, how many computer chips are within the um, vehicles and such, like, and the, kind of the good and the bad, because you can't really work on vehicles like that either. You can't work on a Tesla and just... They don't want you to. Yeah. They it, lock it down. And there is a guy out of Florida who made it his his uh, his livelihood to deconstruct the Tesla so he could fix them 
I've heard of that. And the Tesla wasn't happy about that. Yeah, I think he has like a number of Teslas just like from Rex just in his in his yard, yeah. and he just kind of tinkers and works on them as 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 he goes on. Yeah. Learn. Does it self destruct? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> when you try. Yeah, Elon's big about free speech, but he's not about big on free mechanics on his Teslas. That's for sure. Uh, you know, and he yeah he bought salvaged cars to figure out how to work on them, and now people are paying him because he's. Way cheaper than taking mm -hmm. it back to Tesla to do, but it's. I think it's interesting because you know technology is not an end; it's a means to an end, and yet we seem to have switched uh, philosophically in our culture to treat technology as an end to itself. But wouldn't you? How do you think about that? So it, it's definitely a great way to communicate. I, I think it's just one of those uh, uh, tools that humans and people have made and kind of just went crazy with. Um, with how much technology, how much you can communicate, at the speed at which you can you can communicate. Mm -hmm. um, it, honestly, from a psychological standpoint, it, it's it's a it's a lot of stimulus, and it's very much. I don't I don't even know if people are made to have that much stimulus, that much yeah w wide scope of communication and outreach, and it, I mean definitely like as we're on the radio right now, we're reaching to uh, to others and hopefully changing their lives and inspiring them. Um, so it definitely can be used for God's will. But it's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's definitely something that um that is is definitely gone gone pretty far and yeah. and um, I don't I don't know I, I I don't know if I should say further than what we can handle but I feel like it's definitely going in that direction. Well, it does feel like it's going further than what we can handle, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like uh, we are at the point now where we live and breathe off of our our cell phones, and we're to the point where now a company who makes dumb phones is like starting to grow because people are realizing they're way too connected to the to this worldwide world i mean i myself um i have to watch the news i'm watching social media so i feel like it's sucking part of my life away in that and trying to find that the work-life balance is very hard to ask my wife she'll tell you how much she hates the fact that i'm on my device as much as i am and yet we see something like a metaverse now which is going to take us to a whole nother level of complete immersion in technology for technology's sake. Yeah, and the crazy part about all this is that within the metaverse, as people buy their little virtual plots in these different metaverses, and for those who know, there's different metaverses, there's different, I guess you can see them as like mini worlds, if you want to call it that, virtually. Um, people are spending millions upon millions of dollars buying these locations on the metaverse um, with other celebrities, with other famous YouTubers and such, and other people who are, who are into that. Um, so there's there's definitely a lot of money and a, and a big push going that way. That's, that's you know I think it's I find it interesting though I think see it as a double-edged sword because mm. I think um, the metaverse I think it's a net negative on society but I think Web 3.0 is a, can be a, a net positive on society because from my understanding Web 3.0 what they're calling it. Uh, they're trying to get away from the term metaverse because it's having the connotation of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. Very much um, so. And so there are a lot of people are using the term Web 3.0, talking about decentralizing. And so uh, this seems like it has a lot of implications from all these mega companies that are trying to track our data that we've been talking about privacy constantly on our show. Um, and so it seems like this is actually a solution to a lot of this. Yeah. And a little food, food for thought on that as well. Um, being that a lot of the Web3 is based off of uh, blockchain, um, a lot of the blockchain, the way it works and builds up is that it just kind of just keeps the previous information of what transaction or what action happened. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so as, it, as it continues, like, companies try to track what we do, our data, meta, metadata and such of what these transactions that we do so they can know how to market towards us. 
with everything on blockchain being kept and, and ledgered, well, there's just in some way more information on us as well because mm. you, it's it's immutable. You can't change the blockchain. You can't change blockchain. Um, whatever happened. So having everything based off of that is in, in a way good and bad, being that it can record everything and but you can't change it. But you know it. But you, but on on the flip side, it, it is the evidence of what of what did happen. So you can't change the fact of what transactions happen in some way. Which which would be on one hand the upside is look at that. It would be amazing if we could get to a a fraud less society where it would be f absolutely impossible to fraud anyone, the government, private enterprise, a person, uh, because blockchain s seems to suggest that that's possible. But there's also uh, a lot of pushback from governments. China is at war with cryptocurrency, and America seems to be piling on. The EU is right there. Mm -hmm. um, and they want to come up with their own digital currencies. We've talked about that on the show as well. And the, the danger of digital currencies is uh, now they can control everything about your life. They can turn off and on your access to, to the ability to buy and sell stuff with the click of a mouse. Indeed. And, and, and the, there's also so many cryptocurrencies nowadays as well. I know blockchain, um, or sorry, Bitcoin is probably the most notorious, the most famous of, of, of the cryptocurrencies, um, but, but there are so many, and anybody can make a, block, uh, a cryptocurrency as well. Um, so it, it, it's almost endless of, of the possibilities. It just, I, in some way, it's kind of a popularity show. I don't know if Adrian agrees with that. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it seems like they're... Uh, my problem is that money in general just seems fake, and then uh, cryptocurrency is just a more permanent fake money uh, so <laughs> it just it just seems like it's a lot of a lot of nonsense um unfortunately we're almost out of time but someone asked like uh, i still don't know what the metaverse is so if if this uh, conversation is kind of just uh, all over the place the metaverse in uh in a simple idea is think about logging on to like facebook or twitter or instagram or any any of these social media sites but then imagine that you can it's a place where you can digitally go to and interact with an avatar, and an avatar being like if a digital manifestation of, your, of you. Yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about. All right, praise be to God. Once again, Daniel and Clarissa, good to see you here, and your beautiful daughter, Anastasia, praise be to Jesus. We're going to see you in the after show for a ride in the Mercedes. We're going to hang out in the Mercedes live on the after show, so stick around. This is the second half of the next hour. But coming up after this very quick break, more breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos and Hugh Owen from the Colby Center on creation versus evolution. All that's coming up next. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. From the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? 
think of the, the challenges that we have coming from our culture, we really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. Reuters reports Russia warns United States against sending more arms to Ukraine. Russia told the United States to stop sending more, more arms to Ukraine, warning that large Western deliveries of weapons were inflaming the conflict and would lead to more losses. He says, quote, What the Americans are doing is pouring oil on the flames, Anatoly Antonov said, Russia's ambassador to the United States. He added, I see only an attempt to raise the stakes, to aggravate the situation, and to see more losses, end quote. Military.com reports global military spending tops $2 trillion for the first time as Europe boosts defenses. Just the News reports, in oral arguments, justices seem to lean towards fired football coach in preying on field case. The Supreme Court's conservative majority appeared open to arguments by attorneys for the Washington State High School football coach who was fired for preying on the field after games. They say their client never demanded his players participate. The justices on the high court asked the lawyers numerous hypothetical questions. Chief Justice John Roberts asked whether Kennedy would have been permitted to pray aloud with outstretched arms. And Justice Samuel Alito asked whether Kennedy would have faced discipline for protesting racial injustice, supposed climate change, or the invasion of Ukraine. And the AP reports Tennessee governor signs transgender athlete penalty bill. Tennessee will soon add harsh penalties against public schools that allow transgender athletes to participate in girls' sports under new legislation recently signed by Republican Governor Bill Lee. The governor had previously signed a measure last year mandating that student-athletes must prove their biological sex listed on the student's original birth certificate. If a birth certificate was unavailable, then the parents must provide another form of evidence indicating the student's sex at the time of birth. According to the bill, Tennessee's Department of Education would withhold a portion of the state funds from local school districts that fail to determine a student's gender. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. When I was uh, in college, eons ago now, praise be to God, um, I did a whole semester on, uh, I took a, a course in Flash way back in the day. Flash is gone now, but... And I spent my semester building a Flash application to educate people on young Earth creationism because at the time I was utterly fascinated by the young Earth creation arguments. But the, all of my sources were Protestant, and ultimately I felt there was weakness because of the Protestant theology behind it. And, uh, and lo and behold, here is a Colby Center, praise be to God, and Hugh Owen joins us from the Colby Center, Catholic who, uh, who has been spending a great amount of time trying to educate the world in creation versus evolution. Good morning to you, Hugh Owen. Good morning. Christ is risen. Truly he is risen. Praise be to God. We're glad for your time today. Thank you for being here. Uh, young Earth creationism, I think, is a very fascinating subject, and I would, be, I would hazard a guess that 99% of our audience has probably never even considered the arguments, don't have no idea what what this would mean or why anybody would believe it because all they've ever been told is that the world evolved uh, arbitrarily over billions of years P pretty much if I had to sum it down to one argument that's probably what they've ever been told so how about we start with uh, you know t what is young earth creationism and why would we ever why would we ever entertain such an idea Hugh Owen Colby Center 
Certainly. So the first thing we should establish is that we don't really like the term young earth YEC. We prefer TAC, true age Catholics, because one of the things that our fathers in the faith understood very well is that there's only one way to know with certainty where we're located in space and time. And that is from the one who is outside of space and time, our Heavenly Father. And uh, I'm sure there are a lot of G.K. Chesterton fans in the audience, and they're familiar with his famous phrase, democracy of the dead. And uh, the fact of the matter is, if we could take a vote among all the Catholics from the beginning of the church, including all of the fathers and doctors of the church, we would find that they're overwhelmingly, really unanimously, true-aged Catholics who believed that the sacred history of Genesis gave us inerrant information directly from God that allows us to know exactly how we're oriented in time and space. Now, there are a lot of Catholic intellectuals today who go around telling young people that Catholics never took Genesis literally. It was just some Protestant fundamentalists in the 19th century who started getting worked up about that. Nothing could be farther from the truth. If you actually go back and read what the apostles, the fathers, and the doctors of the church taught, what they wrote about the creation of the world and the early history of the world, every single one of them believed that uh, Genesis is a sacred history. You read St. Augustine, the one who's always being trotted out and pressed into service as some kind of proto-theistic evolutionist. And he says very, very plainly in his work, The Literal Interpretation of Genesis, that Genesis is not poetry, it's not allegory, it's history, just as the book of Chronicles. So the fact of the matter is that every one of the fathers and doctors of the church would have shed his or her last drop of blood for the literal historical truth of the sacred history of Genesis. And that includes the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, who at the very end of the 19th century was being taught the same thing that the fathers and doctors had believed from the beginning, that Genesis is a true history of how God created the world and of the early history of the world, and that we are to take it at face value. The only point on which St. Augustine differed from the other fathers in that respect was with regard to the meaning of day in Genesis 1. Mm. But the reason that St. Augustine did not follow the overwhelming majority of the fathers and doctors in understanding day or yom, ds, in Genesis 1 to be the 24-hour day is that he had to rely on a, on a very imperfect Latin translation of the Hebrew text of Genesis, the Vetus Latina, had he been working with the Vulgate of St. Jerome, there would have, he would not have found any contradiction between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 when the days of Genesis 1 are taken as literal 24-hour days. Mr. Owen, so, let's uh, let's explore that a little bit here. You know, there are some um, there are some bishops who even say that Genesis is po uh, heroic poetry. I think is the quote. Um,
but it doesn't square really. Um, and there's, on the other hand, some Catholics who will say that um, you can interpret evolution, the evolutionary uh, formation of our, our, you know, the creatures and us, um, in a way that squares God at the center of that. What, what would you say to that? I think that's called theistic evolution. I, I think that we need to understand why so many Catholics now are waking up to the reality that theistic evolution simply does not make sense theologically, philosophically, or in terms of the natural sciences. And this is because many Catholics look at the situation in the world over the last two years, and they see things that are totally absurd. They see charlatans like Tony Fauci using pseudoscience to tell successors of the apostles when they can open the churches of God, when they can administer the sacraments of God, how they can administer the sacraments of God. And all of this is in the name of, of their pseudoscience. Millions of Catholics are realizing this is totally disordered. But many want to go deeper. They want to understand how did we get to the point where a charlatan like Dr. Tony Fauci and his associates can dictate to successors of the apostles how they will administer the sacred mysteries. And what people are realizing is it all goes back to Genesis. The overthrow of the traditional understanding of Genesis is what laid the foundation for the chaos that we are experiencing now. Because it was through a process of deceit and deception that leading evolutionists like Ernst Haeckel and Sir Julian Huxley were able to deceive the overwhelming majority of the Catholic intellectuals at the beginning of the 20th century into believing that there was so much sound scientific evidence for the molecules to man evolution hypothesis that they simply had to reconcile evolution with the Catholic faith. And that in spite of the fact that the teaching authority at that time had categorically rejected this challenge against the traditional reading of Genesis. And so what we are able to show people, especially through our DVD series, Foundations Restored, and anybody can go and watch the first two episodes gratis at the website www.foundationsrestored.com, recommended by many bishops and outstanding priests and Catholic intellectuals from all over the world, www.foundationsrestored.com. Hold and that thought, what, hold that what, thought, Mr. Hugh, hold a, a thought, Mr. Hugh Owen. We're up against a break. We're going to come back and continue our conversation with Hugh Owen from the Colbay Center. And one of the questions I want to ask right out of the gate, coming back after the break, is just how old do you think the Earth actually is? The, the, uh, the, the age of the Earth versus what we were taught. That's coming up right after this very quick break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time will be right back. Hi. 
Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Speed of Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Hugh Owen is our guest, the Colbay Center. We're talking about creation versus evolution. It's uh, good to have you back on the program, Mr. Hugh Owen. Let me add, I meant to ask you this in the first segment. I wanted to get to this sooner in our conversation, but just how old do you say creation is versus what we're kind of taught billions of years, and it's always a nebulous number, right? It's just they throw them out like it... Uh, as, you know, it's so impressive, but college you is. Billions and billions of years, this feels sort of uh, gray and nebulous. What say you? How old do you think the creation is? Well, the first thing we need to establish is that it's not important what I think or what any human being thinks. What's important is what did God reveal? Because when he created the world, there were no human witnesses, and the natural order hadn't been established. So there's only one way that anybody can know the true age of the universe, and that is from God's revelation. Now, all the fathers and doctors of the church, without exception, held that God revealed in the sacred history of Genesis information, especially in the genealogies, that allows us to determine the approximate age of the universe. And basically, in the entire Catholic tradition, you have two choices. You have the chronology that's derived from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which gives you approximately 7,500 years from creation until now, or 5,200 to 5,500 years from creation to the birth of Christ. And then you have the chronology that's derived from the Masoretic text, the Hebrew Masoretic text of the Old Testament, which is the one that St. Jerome follows in the Vulgate, and that gives you 4,000 years from creation to the birth of Christ. Now, we've all been brought up to believe that the billions of years are a scientific fact that only a fool would deny. But the reality is all the so-called evidences for millions and billions of years are based on a false premise. And that premise is 
the premise of Rene Descartes and Immanuel Kant and the Enlightenment so-called philosophers who completely rejected the traditional Catholic way of understanding the past and who assumed without any proof whatsoever that the same natural processes, the same material processes that are going on now have been going on from the very beginning of the universe and that therefore we can look at the universe as it is now and extrapolate all the way back to the beginning to explain how everything came to be. Well, as a matter of fact, we can't because all the fathers and doctors of the church believed and taught the truth that the whole work of creation was supernatural. And it was only when God finished creating the whole work of creation for us in our first parents that the whole work of creation was finished and God rested from creating new kinds of creatures. And that's when the natural order of things began. Mm. So it doesn't matter how smart we are. It doesn't matter how good our technology is. We cannot study the universe as it is now and extrapolate all the way back to the beginning to explain how everything came to be. Let me, um, because of time, because we're going to run out of time super fast here, and I want to get to some good meat here on the bone. Um, let's talk about your, like, give me the, like, the brief, you know, uh, the bullet points of uh, some of the best evidences that we could look at from a scientific perspective on the Earth not being as old as we were taught, but possibly younger. Certainly, there's so much, but let me take the one of the great icons of evolution, the dinosaurs. Young people are relentlessly bombarded with propaganda that dinosaurs became extinct 65 million years ago. And yet on our website, in our DVD series, which you can see at www.foundationsrestored.com, we provide the overwhelming evidence published in peer-reviewed scientific journals all over the world that dinosaurs and humans have always lived together on Earth. And that the and this evidence includes, for example, the discovery of soft tissue, intact proteins, red blood cells, intact strands of DNA, and carbon fourteen in dinosaur bones. Now, carbon fourteen has a half life of five thousand seven hundred and thirty years. If the evolution myth were true, there shouldn't be one single atom of carbon-14 left in any dinosaur bone on the face of the Earth or in the Earth. And yet our scientists have proven by excavating or collecting dinosaur bones from all over the Earth that when these dinosaur bones are sent to world-class laboratories that have an accelerated mass spectrometer that can count the number of carbon-14 and carbon-12 atoms in the sample, every single one of those dinosaur bones contains substantial amounts of carbon-14, which proves that these dinosaurs lived thousands of years ago, not millions of years ago. And the interesting thing is, these dinosaur graveyards where these dinosaur bones have mostly been taken from, they are usually a jumbled assortment of disarticulated bones of land-dwelling dinosaurs together with ocean-dwelling creatures. And these are dinosaur graveyards that are hundreds and hundreds of miles from the nearest ocean. How do we explain that? Well, the most logical explanation is that they were buried in the global flood. But when you go back and study the history of how pseudoscience overturned the traditional reading of Genesis, 
their first line of attack was geology trying to discredit the evidence for a global flood. In reality, as we prove in our materials, geology makes much more sense in terms of a global flood in the time of Noah than it does in terms of the long-age Lyellian geology that's become mainstream today. Mm. Let's turn to genetics. Uh, I've seen that uh, several you know, secular schools have done genetic studies on the genome. What do the studies of genetics teach us about this topic? The study of genetics actually totally confirms the traditional reading of Genesis. On our website, we have an article by one of the leading plant geneticists in the entire world, Dr. John Sanford, which documents, proves beyond any reasonable doubt that the evidence from the Y chromosome of men from every people group on Earth and from mitochondrial DNA from women from every people group on Earth confirm that every human being on Earth is descended from one man and one woman who were created in a state of genetic perfection less than 10,000 years ago. <clears throat> and, of course, the evolutionists, while most of them will, will acknowledge this, will say, well, but there was all this uh, millions of years of evolution leading up to Y-chromosome atom and mitochondrial E. But as Dr. Sanford shows in that article and in his book, Genetic Entropy, which is available on our website, that's nonsense because mutations do not add any new functional information to the genome of any plant, animal, or human being. Mutations destroy the architecture of the genome. And therefore, if there had been these mythical millions of years leading up to Y chromosome, Adam, and mitochondrial Eve, they would have been so genetically uh, broken, degenerate, that they wouldn't even probably been able to have any viable offspring. So no, genetics confirms the literal historical truth of the sacred history of Genesis, just as all the fathers, doctors, popes, and council fathers taught in their authoritative teaching. What do you make of the, uh, the, the Protestants that are doing this type of work, too? Answers from Genesis, I think it's a YouTube channel, and lately they've been doing a lot of uh, genetic type of studies. They've taken their own uh, genetics and had them tested, and they, they, they link themselves back to one of the sons of Noah, Ham, Japheth, and uh, Shem. What do you make of that resource? We should be grateful to our separated brethren for much of the work that they've done in the realm of the natural sciences. But, of course, their theology is all wrong. What we need to do is restore the true Catholic doctrine of creation, which is the foundation of our faith, just as it's set forth in the Catechism of Trent, the most authoritative catechism in the history of the Catholic Church. And then we would be bringing all of these millions of separated brethren back into the one true church. So yes, we should be grateful for what they have done in the realm of the natural sciences to show that sound science confirms the literal historical truth of Genesis, just as all the fathers and doctors of the church believed and taught. But we should be bringing them back by proclaiming the whole truth of the Catholic faith from the first article of the creed. That should be our priority. 
Uh, Mr. Owen, I, we only have a couple minutes left in our conversation, but one of the common re uh, remarks that I hear whenever this topic is brought up is the reference to Humane Generis from Pius XII, saying that uh, that Catholics should take seriously evolution as a hypothesis, and then further, John Paul II's uh, his message to the Pontifical Academy of Sciences saying, quote, Today, more than ha a half a century after the appearance of that encyclical, some new findings lead us towards the recognition of evolution as more than a hypothesis. Uh, what would your comment be in regards to that? Very good questions. So first of all, you got about if a minute. you read Humani Generis, the Pope actually tells the bishops that they must teach that all of Genesis is true history. And that every word in the Bible is true, whether it's talking about natural science or geography or faith or morals or anything else. The only permission that the Pope gives in Humani Generis is for Catholic experts to examine the evidence for and against the evolutionary hypothesis. He doesn't give any permission whatsoever to believe or teach it. The problem is that most Catholic intellectuals have not obeyed Pope Pius XII, and that's why he founded the Kobe Center to obey him, to provide the forum for this examination to take place, because when the hypothesis is examined, it's exposed as a fraud. Now, if you look at every statement favorable to the evolutionary hypothesis by Pope St. John Paul II or any recent Pope, you will find two things. Number one, every statement favorable to the evolutionary hypothesis was made of it as a hypothesis in natural science. When papal infallibility was defined at Vatican I, it was defined very precisely. It says, the Pope is not given this gift of infallibility to define any new doctrine, but only to define a doctrine I hate to do this to you, Mr. Owen, but we are out of time. We have to say goodbye now. Our show is uh, coming to an end this first hour. Hugh Owen, Colbay Center. Check him out online, foundationsrestored.com. Foundationsrestored.com. Hugh Owen, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We'll see you in the next hour. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. if everyone read the lives of the saints why not start today a friendly suggestion from guadalupe radio network 
Hi, this is Walter Crawford with Homeschool Connections, a proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please save the date for this year's The Catholic Homeschool Conference. It's virtual, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home or from an in-person watch party in your local community. It's Friday, June 10th and Saturday, June 11th. Our theme this year is empowering you to homeschool joyfully. May God continue to bless your homeschool journey. More information is available at catholichomeschoolconference.com. Men, it's time. Moral relativism is growing and the soul of our nation is at stake. Nowhere is it more manifestly obvious than with the daily ongoing mass murder of abortion. As leaders, protectors, and providers, we must go first. In facing reality, taking responsibility, repenting for what we've done and haven't done, and resolving to do more. The opportunity is before us on Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day in Tallahassee, Florida. We'll be gathering at 12 p.m. and embarking on a four-mile march of prayer and sacrifice that will culminate in a 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. We welcome all women, children, and families to join us in standing up for the personhood of the preborn at the 2 p.m. rally. We're also hoping Governor Ron DeSantis will join us and assure us that he will lead on life. Join us June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to the Men's March I'm Matthew Brewster with Remedy Roofing. You are listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It is Tuesday, April the 26th, 2022. And uh, we just wrapped up a conversation about a subject that I'm willing to bet most people have never even considered and that is creation versus evolution in the age of the earth fascinating conversation with Hugh Owen and you can listen to the podcast uh, don't go to the website to listen to the podcast because it's still got issues go instead to iTunes go to Google Play go to Spotify search for the Catholic Drive Time and you'll find you'll find it there we are working to resolve our podcast problems on our website uh, hopefully we'll get that done very, very soon. But otherwise, we'll post the conversation to our YouTube channel, Rumble, Odyssey, and elsewhere. Everything is linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We've been hanging out also with Clarissa and Daniel, the the incredible people who won the brand new Mercedes with the 2022 Guadalupe Radio Network car raffle. And uh, good morning to you again, Daniel. Good morning, guys. Praise be to God. It's good to see you again. Now, coming up here in a half hour... Uh, we're getting a private tour of the brand new Mercedes. Oh, it's coming, indeed. That's going to happen. And so, well, we're in fact, for the after show, their daughter's here too, by the way. You can hear her lovely, lovely singing voice in the background. Uh, we are going to go and do the after show from the Mercedes, which is going to be super exciting. Uh, we're going to test out the zero to sixty. Mm-hmm. We're going to test <laughs> out, uh, you know, slick, uh, tight turns, high mm-hmm. speed turns on on wet pavement. Yeah, and since it rains, so we we also check to see um how how what the distance is when mm-hmm. you stop from mm-hmm. sixty to to dead zero. Yeah. So e brake and all, just, yes. just pulling that sucker it's, and we're gonna do some now, drifting. We didn't discuss this, but if it's okay with you, mm-hmm. we would like to ghost ride the whip. 
Oh, okay. would that be okay hey, with you? Hey, hey, hey now. my car is your car. <laughs> <laughs> so let's bring some empty cans and trash and just throw it in the back. Okay? Break it in. You <laughs> know, yeah, just... <laughs> uh, it'll be fun. Praise be to God. I've never drifted a Mercedes, but it's the first time for everything. So that's, that's coming up at, at, at uh, 30 past the hour. We'll, we'll run downstairs and jump into the, uh, the Mercedes, and we'll do the entire after show where you get to drive the conversation from the cool car. And, I, you know, I've been a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network for just about a decade now. And when I used to run the Houston Station Market, I mean, I sold a lot of car rifle tickets, and never did I get to see the actual car. So this is the first for me. I'm super pumped about it. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that, Daniel. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Clarissa is here as well, uh, part of the CDT Insider crew. By the way, speaking of CDT Insiders, Colin is back in the uh, the chat this morning over on YouTube. Good morning to you, Very Colin. Nice. Good to see you Very back. Nice to see you, Colin. And uh, good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Have you ever drifted a Mercedes? I've never drifted. Ever? <laughs> At least not on purpose. <laughs> wow. I've hydroplaned. Does that count? Yes. Okay. Yes, it Fish does. Maybe. Yes, it Fish does. Maybe. Uh, not, not quite a drift, though. Don't try you know. this at home, kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do this at home. Joe is a, is a bad uh, influence. influence on your children. And your uh, brand new Mercedes. And your brand new Mercedes. Please uh, do not take Joe's advice in drifting yes. uh, down I-45. Do do <laughs> <laughs> yes, you won't be able to do it down I-45 anyway. But, uh, all right, praise be to God. We do have good news story for you coming up. Uh, And then, of course, we have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, a little bit of reflection, and then we play our game show, Fear and Trembling, with uh, a brand new prize pack this week. Praise be to God. All of that coming up this hour, plus, as I said, our after show, which if you want to be a part of the after show, what you need to do is go to one of our live video feeds, because it's all on our live video feeds, hanging out with the CDT Insider crew and you can find them linked up on our website, but we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Rumble, we're on Odyssey, we're on LinkedIn, and uh, we cross-post to places like Twitter, MeWe, and, uh, let's see, SP3RN, and Parler, and Truth Social. They have finally allowed me on Truth Social. Yeah, I had to pull a couple strings. and Yeah, thanks well, for that. Well, you know, thanks I finally that. had time to do that, so yeah, there I you mean, go, Joe. I, I see what has to go down. Elon has to buy Twitter before Truth Social lets me on. <laughs> like. What's the Trump had to there? personally review your application. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's funny, actually. That would be hilarious. It would be a good Babylon Bee right there. All right, uh, <laughs> praise be to God. We're going to pray and we're going to get started. And uh, hang out with us if you can. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's your good news story for the day. This is from the Epic Times. The headline reads, Third grade teacher's quick response saves nine-year-old student from choking on a bottle cap. A third grade teacher sprang into action when a nine-year-old student ran to her desk with a bottle cap stuck in his throat. Calmly and swiftly, she performed the Heimlich maneuver, dislodging the cap and saving the child's life. She says, we were starting our math class. Robert was a little thirsty from returning from gym class. Janice Jenkins, who taught 
who taught at New Jersey's East Orange Community's Charter School for five years, recalled. That's a long name for a school. He tried to screw up the bottle cap and couldn't do it, so he tried to use his teeth, as you do. He squeezed the bottle, and all of the water pushed the cap down his throat. Robert ran to the sink when he realized he was choking, but he couldn't dislodge the cap by himself. He immediately ran to his teacher's desk for help. He was signaling that he was choking because he could not speak, said Jenkins. I turned him around, acted on my training, and gave him the Heimlich maneuver. In classroom security camera footage, Jenkins is seen performing two compressions before Robert coughs up the bottle cap. She then turns her student around to check on him and comfort him, wiping his cheeks with a tissue. The nine-year-old's parents were grateful to his teacher for saving his life. As for Robert's classmates, Jenkins claims they were too busy doing independent work to notice the incident at first. When they saw he, what was going on and he was choking, some were shocked, while others cried a little because they didn't know how serious it was. Once we brought Robert back to the class, we spoke about safety and the importance of being a first aid CPR trained teacher, she said. They were later relieved that Robert was fine. Jenkins, who, was for, who has 14 years of training in uh, teaching, learned how to perform the Heimlich maneuver while training as a varsity cheer coach at Montclair High School. She took a refresher course at East Orange. She explained the maneuver. You turn the person away from you and you form a little fist. You put that right under their ribcage and you push up in at the same time so that the air is forced up and out of their air passage. Based off of that training, I was able to save Robert's life. Others have hailed Jenkins a hero, thanking God for her rapid response. For her actions, Jenkins will receive an award on June 1st, Heimlich Maneuver Awareness Day. You never know when you would need to save a life, said Jenkins, relieved that Robert was returned to his helpful, observant, and happy-go-lucky self. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Pascasus Radbertus. Born in 785, he was a Benedictine theologian and abbot. He was left as an infant upon the doors of Notre Dame Convent in Soissons, France, and was raised by the nuns there before receiving an education from the monks of St. Peter's in Soissons. After entering the Benedictine monastery of Corby under St. Adelard, he was ordained a deacon. In 822, he was sent with other monks under Adelard to establish the monastery of New Corby in Westphalia, Germany. He served for a number of years as master of novices and headmaster at both Corby and New Corby, and in 844, he was made abbot of Corby. Never ordained a priest and finding the office against his nature, he resigned about 849 and he went to the abbey of St. Requer, but returned to Corby when he, where he eventually died. He was a prolific writer, and he was the author of several biblical commentaries, A Life of Abbot Adelard, and the well-known De Corpore et Sanguine Domini, the first ever treatise on the Eucharist. He was also probably the author of Epistle 9 of Sude Jerome, which is an important document in the development of the doctrine of the Assumption of Mary. In 843, Pascarius succeeded Abbot Isaac, where, however, he resigned his title ten years later to return to his studies. He eventually would go into a voluntary exile for many years. He was a Carolonian theologian and the abbot of Corby at the monastery of Picardy, founded in 657 or 660 by the queen regnant Bataldi, with a, with a founding community of monks from Lucelle Abbey. Pascasus' body was first buried at the Church of St. John in Corby. After the numerous reported miracles, the Pope ordered his remains to be removed and interred at the Church of St. Peter in Corby. 
He was canonized in 1073 by Pope Gregory VII, and his feast day is today, April 26. St. Pascasus Radbertus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 3, verses 7b through 15. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this happen? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand this? Amen. Amen, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. If I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, What think we that our Lord wished to insult this Master in Israel? He wished him to be born of the Spirit, and no one is born of the Spirit except he is made humble. For this very humility it is, which makes us to be born of the Spirit. He, however, was inflated with his eminence as a master, and thought himself of importance because he was a doctor of the Jews. Our Lord then cast down his pride in order that he may be born of the Spirit. Close quote, St. Augustine pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Oh my goodness, so many things here from Cornelius Alapide. But one thing in a person that Cornelius Alapide is quoting here, and I think that this is probably one of the uh, most brilliant people he's quoting here. He says, as though he said, whoever is bitten by the serpents of sins, let him look to Christ and he shall have healing by the remission of sins. And the, the same proves that the use of images is lawful from the serpent, and he adds, the figure afforded temporal life, the thing itself of which it was the figure, life eternal. Now, the person who said this, being this brilliant man that Cornelius Lapide is quoting, is actually Pope Adrian I. Of course, what a beautiful and wonderful name that he has. But what he's getting at here is that the bronze serpent being lifted up and being shown forth, you remember what happened in the Old Testament in Exodus, oh, that wasn't Exodus, it was Leviticus, right? But uh, the, the serpent is lifted up, right? And everybody, whenever they are bitten by a venomous snake, if they only look at the bronze serpent, then they are healed. Now, this contradicts the Protestant idea that all images are graven, all images must be banished. How, why would God order that a statue be, be built if that was in fact wrong. In fact, not only did God order that a statue be built, but that we gaze upon it, and by gazing upon it, we will be healed. This corresponds wonderfully with the many miracles associated with different images in the Catholic Church. I'm thinking first and foremost of Our Lady of Guadalupe, but also, and most importantly, the lifting up of the bronze serpent that heals whenever you gaze upon it is the analogy given uh, that is fulfilled by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Cornelius Lapide goes on 
and he talks about it from a mystical perspective and says, in the same way, we should look upon our Lord with the eyes, with these spiritual eyes. And he says, here, those who look with their spiritual eyes obtain the remission of all their sins. There, a serpent bite and a serpent healed. Here, death destroyed and death hath saved. It's that divine paradox that we see that it is through dying that we are restored to eternal life. That death, where is thy sting, right? It's a beautiful idea. He says, in the one case, the serpent which destroyed was full of poison and delivered no one from poison. And in the other case, the death which destroyeth had sin as a serpent had poison. But the Lord's death was free from all sin, just as Amen. the brazen serpent had no poison. It's a beautiful thing to think about. Let us meditate on this today. And uh, I was wrong. It wasn't. It was at Numbers. It was Numbers chapter twenty-one, verse nine. Whenever we see the uh, reference for the serpent being put up on the the bronze serpent being put up on a pole. Amen. Praise be to God. Saint Paul would say, "For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God." Second Corinthians five twenty-one. It is time to play our game, fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where prizes are at stake, and you don't need to know the answers to win our game. But you do need to make a phone call, and the phone lines are open, and Rudy Carlos is standing by to take your call right now at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. Be our contestant. First caller gets to play at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four. Always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity. An opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five. Don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of Fear 
and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and share with no one what I'm about to tell you. All right? You've got to keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do here. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. We like to have a laugh. And our callers are, in fact, certifiably amazing. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. Here's the trick. We have three Catholic trivia questions, but we will not be asking the caller these questions. So they don't need to know a single correct answer and could still win. And that's because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Joe, pick a card, mm -hmm. any card. Okay. Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Holy Playing Cards. Nice. Holy Playing Cards are a fantastic way to cultivate an appreciation for the saints among your friends and your loved ones while enjoying your favorite card games. Cards feature beautiful works of art representing 45 unique saints, plus reverent depictions of Christ for the King of Cards. Let's restore the kingship of Christ here. Mm. Please check out their website. Get yourself a set at holyplaincards.com. Just don't make me play 52 Pickup with you. <laughs> I, I know what that is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you don't know what 52 Pickup is, look it up. What's 52 Pickup? <laughs> oh, we should play that later. We boy. should. I, I like this <laughs> idea. Well, they're generously we'll sponsoring our game show with a deck of cards. Thank you so much, holyplayingcards.com. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, holyplayingcards.com, for being generous to us. Let's go to the phones. Matthew, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Matthew. Where are you calling from? Denton. Denton, Texas. Do me a favor. Turn down your radio in the background. We're getting a feedback there from the radio. But uh, Denton, Texas, once many, many moons ago, I lived in the great metropolis of Denton, Texas, uh, right outside the, the, one of the most famous party schools in Texas, North Texas there. How long have you been living there, Matthew? Uh, probably coming up on two years. Okay, so we did not share the same piece of dirt then, because it was <laughs> 1990. Five, was 1996 when I lived up there. Praise be. I'm sure lots have changed since then. Though, where do you go to church, Matthew? Well, St. Mark's is just hosting their uh, groundbreaking uh, hey. this, uh, Saturday, but I go to the Maronite Rite Parish in Louisville. How wonderful! Praise be to God. And uh, how was the Easter celebration for you? It was fabulous. We had Father Mitch Pacwa as a uh, guest. Nice. Cool. He is by right, isn't he? Praise be to God. So did you have like all the smells and bells? I mean, I, I haven't been to a Maronite Mass in, uh, in probably 20 years. It's been a long time. I bet it was wonderful. Uh, it's, it's like Christmas every week. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. How wonderful. Well, happy Easter to you. Uh, all right, uh, Matthew, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how this works? Uh, yes, sir. I've heard it often. Okay. Praise be to God. Then you know, then. It's just me and you, Matthew. 
We're on the same team against Rudy and Adrian. Hopefully, <laughs> the two of us can navigate these very difficult waters. Are you ready, sir? Yes. What are you laughing about over there, Rudy? <laughs> <laughs> you see? It's part of the manipulation process, Matthew. See how he does this? All right, we're going to start, as is our custom, our tradition, our patrimony on the show, to start with the great Rudolfo Carlos. Good morning. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Uh, no, I see blue tie today. Uh, Marian. Blue, blue tie for our blessed Mother Mary, yes. So you must be ready then. I'm so ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, are you sure? Um, yeah, I suppose. Okay, well, let's start with the hardest question of all three today, if you don't mind. Uh, can you tell me, what is the term for the sin against charity that is the unjust dishonoring of a person by refusing to show due signs of honor or by ignoring him or her? Ah, uh, yes. This is a great example of this mm -hmm. is in Shakespeare. Oh, well, Catholic. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's called biting thine thumb. That's your answer? Yes. Is biting that is the sin thine thumb. against charity. Oh, it is. Dishonoring the person. By biting thine thumb. Do you bite thy thumb at me? Oh, I see. it's like a, mm. mm. Okay, it's one of mm. those gestures. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, unnamed <laughs> gesture that shall not be named. Mm -hmm. I got it. Okay. Hmm. Let's just get a second opinion on this. Speaking, speaking of Shakespearean experts, uh, Adrian, good morning to you. That's me, Shakespearean expert. I saw it on your name tag, so I knew it had to be yeah, true. right, right there. You see it? Right there. <laughs> Praise be to God. Can you tell me what is the term for the sin against charity that is the unjust dishonoring of a person by refusing to show due signs of honor or by ignoring him or her? Mm. Well, speaking of Shakespeare, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely. Contumly is the answer. Contumly. Mm -hmm. Seems like a fancy word. Contumly. Mm -hmm. All right, Matthew, you got choices now. Is it as Rudy says, contumely, or is it and as... Nope, other way around. Or is it as Adrian says, contumely, or is it as Rudy says, biting thine thumb at someone? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, Matthew? So is it Adrian that said contumely? Yes, it sir. Is. Okay, we'll go with Adrian. Are you sure? Wise <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, choice. Uh, uh, biting one's th what is, Did he really say that? Is it like a line? Which, it's which, a line in Shakespeare. Which one? Uh, one of the. Macbeth? Uh, no. Caesar? No, it's Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. Biting one's thumb. You, pff, of the, I think it was a Capulet who did it, right? The you proud did. man's Catumly is from Hamlet. You did great, Matthew. Catumly is the correct answer. You're in the cup. You could win. No uh, shenanigans were uh, bitten on there, praise be to God. All right, we're going to go to the next question. Uh, Matthew, we're ready to do this with Adrian this time. Uh-oh. Okay, here we go. Adrian, when is the month of the passion celebrated? Well, as a self-identified Shakespearean expert, yeah, that would uh, obviously mean that is the Ides of March. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say it's March. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. The Ides of March, you say. Mm-hmm. Let's see what uh, Rudy has to say. Rudy, Adrian doth protest too much. Can you tell me when is the month of the Passion celebrated? 
I would suggest you march yourself back to school, Adrian, because <laughs> it's February. February? February. 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 The month of February huh, is well, the month of the passion. There you go. You have choices now, Matthew. Is it, as Adrian says, the Ides of March, or is it, as Rudy says, February? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Matthew from Denton, what say you? We'll go with Rudy. Uh, I was very confident in that response. Very, very confident. So wise. Easy peasy. February. Is it February or February? <laughs> I despise that. <laughs> why, why in English do we use letters that aren't pronounced? I'm just curious. Library or library. Like, who's in charge of the English language that we just include? <laughs> Shakespeare was. Oh, I see. Well, that explains some things. All right, you're in for two, Matthew. Congratulations. Uh, let's see here. This next one could... I, I, I think it's not as hard as the first one, but it's, it's, a, it's a contender anyway. It's, a, it's sort of a history and a liturgical question all at uh, once. Are you ready to go, Matthew? Yes. All right, you sound confident. I like that. I like that in a contestant. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, what is the name of the very ancient book containing all the prayers and rites for Holy Mass and the sacraments. What do we call that? It's an ancient book? It's very, it says. Well, very ancient book. In that case, it's a sacramentary. It's a sacramentary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Adrian. Hey, Joe. Uh, I'm hoping you could tell me what is the name of the very ancient book? It's not just ancient. It's very ancient, containing all the prayers and rites for Mass and the sacraments. Hmm. hmm. That's a good question. Is it? It is a great question. Well, I'm glad I didn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a self-proclaimed Shakespearean expert, I will, I'm going to go yeah. with Sonata et Poeta. I'm sorry. It's one of the, the great works of William Shakespeare. Ancient book. Sonata et Poeta. Poeta. Mm -hmm. That's your answer. That's what I'm going with. Two degrees. Okay, here we go. Uh, Matthew, is it Sonata et Poeta, as Adrian Fonseca seems to think, or is it Sacramentary, as Rudy seems to think? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Matthew, what say you? Rudy for three. Rudy for the Let's perfect go. score. Wow, Matthew, congratulations. You're not shooken at all. I appreciate that. Very confident answers, Matthew. God bless you. Thanks for playing our game and having a laugh. Shakespeare failed me. All right. God bless you, Matthew. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. We're going to put you on hold, but that is going to do it for the radio side of our show. We're going to do the after show from the brand new Mercedes in the parking lot. So if you want to hang out with us, you got to do so on one of our live video feeds. And you can check that out on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you from inside the bins. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Tuesday, the second week of Easter. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Jesus Christ is risen today, Alleluia. Our triumphant holy day, Alleluia. Who did once upon the cross, Alleluia. Suffer to redeem our loss, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God. God. And to, and to you, you my, my brothers and sisters, that I, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Enable us, we pray, Almighty God, to proclaim the power of the risen Lord, that we who have received the pledge of his gift may come to possess all he gives when it is fully revealed. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The community of believers was of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles bore witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great favor was accorded them all. There was no needy person among them, for those who owned property or houses would sell them bring the proceeds of the sale and put them at the feet of the apostles, and they were distributed to each according to need. Thus Joseph, also named by the apostles Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite, a Cypriot by birth, sold a piece of property that he owned, then brought the money and put it at the feet of the apostles. The word of the Lord. 
The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is king in splendor robed, robed is the Lord and girt about with strength. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm from of old. From everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for the length of days. The Lord is king, he is robed in majesty. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you cannot hear the sound it makes. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this happen? Jesus answered and said to him, You are a teacher of Israel, and you do not understand this? Amen, amen, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. If I tell you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent of the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. This blessed Easter season, we reflect so often on our baptismal life. And John's Gospel is really an, exp an exposition, especially chapter 3, Jesus' dialogue with Nicodemus is this exposition of this new life that we have received, a life of baptism and our life in the, in the Spirit. Nicodemus asks this question, how can this happen? And Jesus has to try to explain to him that this is not, you know, we're not born again literally, but spiritually. Our souls are given the ability to live this life of grace. We are grafted onto Christ, and we receive his very Spirit. This is really the key to understanding that first reading. How beautifully St. Luke in the, the Acts of the Apostles, sometimes called the, the fifth gospel or the gospel of the Holy Spirit, speaks about what this life in the Spirit is like, is all about. We have a kind of a window into the early church where they had one mind and one heart, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they had everything in common. No one was needy among them. If we look at the church today, could we say that? That the church today, which has gone from very, the very maybe 
hundreds of members as it was at the time of the Acts of the Apostles to now millions of members in the Catholic Church. Do we really live this way? Well, obviously, we probably can't live it exactly the same way because as, as, the, as it expands and it gets bigger and bigger, we have to find new ways to try to live out the Spirit. But it is essential that we do live out this. I think somebody once described it as living a kind of sparing, sharing lifestyle. Being able to spare the things that we have, even sometimes out of our necessity, to share with those who are in need, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So many different ways it is, uh, it is spoken about of this in the New Testament. And I think, what, again, what the key is, is that these, the, the early church believers, as well as we, are to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in that first in the gospel today he says uh, the, the spirit blows where it wills you hear it where it goes but you don't know where it comes from where it's going I think it was Reverend Cantala Mesa who said that if we live by the spirit you can't really bottle the wind if you bottle the wind it's stagnant it's no longer wind and so we kind of we are blown where the spirit wills to take us and this leads us to something to we could identify in that first community which we still can identify today that the church is one. The community of believers, it says in the Acts of the Apostles, was of one heart and mind. What does that mean? Does that mean that everybody agreed on everything all the time? Well, I hope not. In fact, when you look just a little bit further in the Acts of the Apostles, and it comes to the Council of Jerusalem, they didn't agree on, on very much at all. <laughs> there was a lot of different opinions and different thing, ways of looking at things. But as we journey in this new way of synodality in the church today, this is exactly what we, what we need to be attentive to. The oneness that we have in mind and heart is not a consensus. It's not, okay, you have your idea, I have my, my idea, and let's see if we can find some kind of common ground, because that's, you know, that, that, that would be consensus. It seeks uh, an agreement among a group of members. It can lead to a, basically the least common denominator, or as somebody once, uh, Riley put it, uh, the only thing that ever came out of a committee was a compromise, kind of a pessimistic way of looking at things, but maybe there's some truth about it. No, what, what, is, what it's looking for is not consensus, but accord and harmony. And only the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can bring this about, because He is one. One with the Father and the Son. He is the principle of unity in the church. He is the one that we look to for this accord and harmony. See, harmony is an agreement or concurrence of opinion, will of, or action. It opens up really to the will of another. And the will of the other is, of course, the Holy Spirit himself, God. So we're not trying to find out, okay, how can I get what I want? <laughs> but rather, what is the Spirit trying to speak to us? And if everybody, if we listen to how the Holy Spirit is working among us, then we can realize that that oneness of heart and mind still exists in the church today. It's kind of like this. A different notes sound together, musical notes, to form a chord. And a chord is achieved as a harmony of different standpoints. So the, uh, you might see that the Spirit is one person of two persons, a kind of divine we, that is spoken by the Father and the Son. It's like a musical chord in which three or more notes are combined harmoniously. We must trust that the ability of the Spirit will eventually achieve that accord and harmony, even if at times it seems that the whole process that we go through, even the synodality, is getting a bit out of hand. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will unite us in mind and heart. This is what Luke was trying to say 
in that first reading. They shared together. They, they went through difficulties together. The Spirit, you always united them. Let us have that same trust and confidence of, for us, born of the water and of the Spirit, as Jesus says in the Gospel. Dear brothers and sisters, we are filled with paschal joy, and so let us pray more earnestly to God that he who graciously listened to the prayers and supplications of his beloved Son may now be pleased to look upon us in our lowliness. Let us pray for the shepherds of our souls, that they may have the strength to govern wisely the flock entrusted to them by the good shepherd. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray that the one holy Catholic Church, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, would be one in heart and mind. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for the whole world that it may truly know the peace given by Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Always mindful of our brothers and sisters who are suffering, we pray that their sorrow may be turned into gladness which no one can take from them. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for our own community that it may, may bear witness with great confidence to the resurrection of Christ, that we may live as a church, a, sh a sparing, sharing lifestyle, um, imitating that, the, the way that the early church lived, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, let us pray for those who have died, all the holy souls in purgatory, and for all the intentions of those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, for their prayers and those who have asked, asked them to pray for them, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. O God, who know that our life in this present age is subject to suffering and need, hear the desires of those who cry to you and receive the prayers of those who believe in you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Ye sons and daughters of the Lord, the King of glory, King adored, this day himself from death restored. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. All in the early morning gray, Went holy women on their way To see the tomb where Jesus lay Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia Alleluia, of spices pure a precious store in their pure hands these women bore to anoint the sacred body or Alleluia. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice of yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we may always find delight in these Paschal mysteries, so that the renewal constantly at work within us may be the cause of our unending joy through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celia terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, 
until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servant Ronald, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh all those who have died and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by the divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who, who art in, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. This offering to the sign of peace.
On Yus Dei, Quitolis Peccatamudi, Miserere Nobis. On Yus Dei, Quitolis Peccatamudi, Miserere Nobis. On Yus Quitolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacha. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter Only say the word, and my soul shall be. The Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead, and so enter into his glory. Alleluia. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his and he is mine forever where streams of living water flow my ransom soul he leadeth and with averted pastures grow with food celestial feedeth perverse and foolish oft I strayed but yet in love he sought me and on his shoulder gently laid, at home rejoicing brought me. Let us pray. Hear, O Lord, our prayers, that this most holy exchange by which you have redeemed us may bring your help in this present life and ensure for us eternal gladness through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. 
and with your spirit. And mighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Thanks be to God. God. At the lamps I feast we sing, praise to our victorious King. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, my name is Catherine and Valerie, and we 